0: hello and welcome to the headstuff podcast network's best of 2017 clip show this is alan i'm going to play some short clips from a range of our podcasts so enjoy and if anything here tickles your fancy give that show a go No Encore. What a year those lads had. They sold out the Workman's Club in March for their first ever live show. They followed that with a sold-out show in Whelan's as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival in September. They did a great show at a radio conference in Galway and sold out the No Encore quiz of the year. Not bad at all. Here they are, first talking with Mango about Electric Picnic, then talking about Miley Cyrus.
1: I did see you mention on Twitter. You did say like you know coming back from the picnic thing and then like putting on a name tag and going to work was a really surreal experience. Yeah. Like like were you like I I, I would have taken the day off. I would have been like fuck this. Oh, no, I'm not no, going. No in. Oh,
2: no no. I took the Monday off. Yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was row off. Actually. I had to go to it. I had to go to a music video uh, for Rebel Phoenix, and it was like uh, you know like it was a very kind of macho tune. Everybody's like you know me mugging the camera and shit like that. And I was like I was doing my best, but like God help me man, I was shaking. And then I was like, oh we're gonna do another scene. I was like, do you know what, lads. Going home, be <laughs> me ma. Like, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in an aircon bundle here. Like good night and God bless. It is, it is surreal, but like that's, that's, that's you know, life as an independent artist. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's like I got to do just my job. in a hoop. Yeah, 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 yeah pretty much. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> pays me a free beer. That's it.
1: <laughs> now this song is called Malibu. It's been getting a bit of a kicking in the press, particularly Pitchfork, who noted that it makes Cheryl Crow sound edgy. Is it just me, or is this quite charming? I mean, this is the thing. It's weird to kind of put
3: into the topography, I suppose, of Miley Cyrus's career, where if this song had arrived in, say, 2010, when it was kind of Party in the USA style Great
4: song. You kind of say what an era. The whole punk thing was kicking yeah. off.
3: <laughs> but you kind of see how it would fit in, or, like, you know, you would expect it from her. But listening to this, it's as though the whole, you know, bangers... Uh, maturation, uh, flaming lips, dead pets, all that has just been pushed to one side again. Oh, yeah. She's, and you're just like, what are we getting? It's a research. It's a hard research. She's
4: yeah. reining it in. She's gone too far. She's re- She regrets the, you know, uh, wrecking ball stuff. I mean, she looked into the void and Wayne Coyne looked back at her. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the result.
0: Episode title, Can you blame her? in her? Uh,
4: But yeah, this is like, you actually start hearing that kind of, like, Tennessee twang again in oh, this. Yeah. And then it does like you have the muted electric guitar and it thinks it's got a weird Phoenix gonna, guitar line. Yeah, you kinda, it seems like it's going to be a weird alt-country but poppy thing. Yeah. And then it goes into a kind of uns unce, unce like Chris Martin adventure of a lifetime yeah, yeah. thing with the guitars. And it's totally just, I mean, it's very beige. It's about it getting is. back together with Liam Hemsworth <laughs> and standing on a beach and the sky just being blue and, and then being like the waves coming in and out. And it's not great, but it's fine. It's inoffensive.
0: Alison Spittle also had quite a year, culminating in her very own sitcom on national television called Nowhere Fast. Find it on the RTE player if you haven't seen it already. It's brilliant. Her podcast, The Alison Spittle Show, has gone from strength to strength. Here's a couple of clips. First, Ellen Coyne talking about her effort to become Ireland's Minister for Women, then, David O'Doherty talking about his role at Twink's wedding.
5: Minister for Women. Hello. Okay. Hello. Good to see you. Hello, listeners. Hi. Uh, so, Minister, um, thank you for coming in today. Uh, Minister, mm-hmm. do you remember bubblegums? They were the the little bubble gums with a with a liquidy inside. What was the liquid made out of?
6: That is a very good question, Alison. And thank you. I think that Bubbaloos are important. There's a lot of people listening who will remember Bubbaloos. and there's a lot of people who maybe. Have bad experiences with Bobloos and I just But all I want to, to know
7: Minister, Minister, mm, thank you. Yes, yeah, yeah. All
6: I want to know is what is the liquidy stuff well, th- just just the ingredients now. Well if you'll if you'll let me finish, <laughs> Alison. I'm just I'm just about to get to that. This government has been strong on Bobloos. <laughs> the Minister for Man has never said anything about bubbloos And I wonder why the media doesn't have him in here answering questions about He's bubbloos. not available. He's not available. Yeah, it's it's amazing, Alison, how those ministers never seem to be available to answer the difficult questions. Did they really get that shitty with
8: you
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm about to drop a massive bombshell on you right now. Yeah,
5: are you Twink? You're
3: (laughs) David had already. I was page boy at Twink's wedding. (gasps) Yeah. Oh my
9: god. Yeah, in 1983. I know.
5: We, uh,
3: it started off me distant celebrity news, and now I've just dropped. Right now, all news stations around the world, breaking news is
1: scrolling, <laughs> scrolling, scrolling oh across the bottom of the
0: screen. The latest season of Fascinated with Grode Farley saw him interview such megastars as Kelly Bryan from Eternal, James Dreyfus from Give Me, Give Me, Gimme, and Shelley Wright. The next season is bubbling away behind the scenes, but here are some good bits from 2017. Here's Kelly Bryan from Eternal talking about the illness that ended her solar career and Carol Decker from T'Pau talking about how Enya and you two ripped off some of her songs.
9: So and I was admitted to hospital and I remember um, Dennis coming to see me in the hospital and he just looked at me and like, you know, I knew what he could see, obviously. He so was what I looked like. And he just said, look, your health is more important. You just stay here and get well. And I was like, what does that mean? He was like, "Doesn't matter what it means." He said, "You just get well." And and I remember him looking like he was really like teary, and he wouldn't, and he just wouldn't cry. And I was like, "Okay." He was like, "I'm just going to cancel everything," and I was like, "Okay." And that was that?
10: I always used to get confused when I would hear the Enya song, which came out after.
11: Oh yeah. Uh, after way, Yes,
10: Orinoco Flow, sailor yeah. Away. Did you ever, did you listen to that and go, hold yeah. on oh, yeah. oh, yeah. a second.
11: And U2, sweetest thing. Ah, the Sweet <laughs> They issued a statement saying that they'd started that song years ago because people, um, we never went after U2, but uh, fans were writing in, calling Radio 1 and saying of T'Pau, been in touch with their lawyers because you 2 have nicked yeah. wow. that, Yeah. And the same with the anything, but the- there's certain... To be done for breaching somebody else's writing or copyright, or whatever you want to call it, there's a certain amount of bars that have to go past... OK. ..before um, you're, you're deemed to, be, to have copied. OK. Which is why um, Sam Smith has had to settle with... Um, oh, yes. Yeah, Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a friend of mine settled out of court with... Um, remember, was it Mika... Cause uh, his song, "Take It Easy," it's just I just died in your arms tonight. Oh my god! By cutting crew—they settled out of court, yeah. Because there was so, so much of the chord progression and so much of the melody that you could wind through each song. That there's a, there's a press there's a court case there, but not for the opening pizzicato strings of a song. We we weren't in the position to say "Oi, hand over some cash but it was bizarrely similar It
3: was, I mean yeah. I thought it was ridiculous Me too I, I was 10 Unimaginative <laughs>
11: yeah.
0: Reviewables is an uncategorisable comedy show It certainly doesn't seem to be about reviews This year they performed at the Vodafone Comedy Festival in the Ivy Gardens and with Dublin as part of Dublin Podcast Festival They even had Ardlo Lohanen on their show Here's a couple of clips Andrea Farrell and Erin McGathey talking about Andrea's dog, a lot of Andrea's dog, and Peter McGann talking about how the makers of the movie, Blown Away, stayed on the right side of the IRA.
2: My man was like, no, I'm
9: sick of this. I, they didn't do that right. So went back up to the vet and he went to fix her. Fix her again. Like, imagine being neutered twice. And then when she came home... Um, he didn't give her a cone because he said she's grand she doesn't need a cone so she licked her stitches and they became loose and then she was chasing a bird and then all her intestines fell out on, oh, on the back garden Jesus <laughs> Andrea,
12: Andrea t- we used to live together Andrea I feel faint that- now Andrea told me that story in our sitting room and I just went Whoop. like just literally just <laughs> fell but, over like.
9: but she survived I did. And I'm she got
1: her- <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones in that <gasps> movie. That
3: movie where, that movie the where he's, guy.
1: yeah, and I can't kind of think. Blown where, away. Blown away. That's it. I think it's there's such a, a terrible name for a really bit of bomber by a bit of bombers, like blown away. Ah, away lads. I think They're there's even the bomber.
10: I
3: think there's even a line in it with <laughs> something like shorts
10: bomber." Don't believe the bomber. The one where they got political. <laughs> like Lads, you're not the guys to be commenting on that. <laughs> Two hapless ira, IRA bombers,
1: bombers. and they
3: thought they could do
1: it. They blow up their own kitchen at the end of <laughs> it. <right. laughs> and the mother comes in and says, "What are you doing, blowing up the kitchen, lads?" <laughs> In the Tommy Lee Jones one, I
3: think someone says, he's like, is he IRA? And they're like, no, he's, he's too crazy for the IRA. Yeah. Like, something like that. They
10: say that in Patriot Games about Sean Bean as well. That's yeah, it. Yeah. I wish that was an actual trope to not offend the <laughs> IRA in movies. Every time there's an IRA bill, they're like, he was too evil for them. So he yeah, has to get out.
1: Guys, we don't want to piss off this terrorist organization. <laughs> Let's just say that the, yeah, he's too evil for the IRA.
0: And then that way, the IRA won't blow us up. <laughs> What we call the movie? Call it Blown Away. <laughs> personality Bingo with Tom Moran hasn't missed a beat since its inception in February 2017. Consistently interesting conversations that take the audience all over the personality map. Not least a live show with Jarlith Regan as part of Dublin Podcast Festival. Here's Eva Connor talking about a sexual deviant and then Jarlith Regan talking about who loves potatoes the most.
9: Once we were in Edinburgh so we did the fringe every year mm-hmm. and we were all staying in a house um, like Like thirteen of us in one room. Like halfway through our accommodation fell through, so we like moved into my friend's room. Like this massive troop of us. Like, but this kind of this kind of weird artist guy, he was over in our house one night and was in our big refugee house, and um, (laughs) he he was like, "Who dropped this? I found this on the floor. Who does this belong to?" And he was holding like vagina cleaner, like or vagina solution or I don't even know <laughs> no, and he existed. was like he was like who cleans their vagina here like who owns this and we were all just like what and he was like come on own up I found on the ground it must belong to one of you and we were like we d- like no it's not mine like is it yours And like, no and everyone denied it and then he left and afterwards we were all just like none of us own that like definitely not so we think he dropped it on the ground and was like who owns this like we still think he kind of planted it as some Whoa. yeah <laughs> I don't know if it was like a conversation starter or like a anyway
4: oh what a weird that's weird So sometimes I would in a weird way pride myself on being quite um I... like emotionally uh, tuned in with people yeah. so if someone drops their vagina cleaner in yeah. front of me I'm not going to lift up the vagina cleaner yeah. and go who owns the vagina yeah. cleaner <laughs> so that takes a specific kind of person
13: to yeah. uh, want to do that. Yeah. Even, if, even if it wasn't planted. <laughs> to plant
9: I made mean, a planted vagina cleaner.
13: <laughs> yeah. well, wow. Here we go. Number
1: 40. No, nope, Tom. Nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> nope. 30, number 30 40 is the closest mm. I have to that. Okay.
13: Uh, number 40. Uh, what is your biggest downfall when it comes to being healthy?
1: Oh. I mean... Where do we start, Tom? You really really hit on a nerve there. (laughs) Like, I was told at the Mayo Clinic the most disgustingly cruel twist of nature. (laughs) The carb sensitivity is where if you eat carbs, you quickly turn it to sugar and store it as fat. And they said that this is very common in Irish men, which makes sense. That as a result of evolution, we've evolved in such a way that if you ever take our potatoes away again, <laughs> oh, we are ready for it. It's like a camel's hump. That's what an Irishman's belly is. And, but isn't that cruel? Don't you think that's cruel, that the people that enjoy the potatoes the most are responding in this way to them? And what's whenever I've said that, and I have said this before, in case you don't know this is material, English people have come to me after shows and said we bloody love a potato mate I don't know why, you're saying the Irish love a potato more than the English we bloody love a potato and and I just think, fuck off (laughs) you you don't, you don't if you're English in here now saying to me, we like potatoes more than you, ask yourself is there a potato
0: theme park in your country? (laughs) Double Love may only be 11 episodes deep, but they've already built a loyal fan base of Sweet Valley High aficionados. It may seem like a very niche podcast, but have a listen to how fun it is. Here they are talking about Bruce being an old-timey gangster and the bizarre imagery of the female gaze.
14: So she basically bribes him. Yes, she's going to write a big flattering article about him in the Oracle about how amazing he is at tennis. Yeah, and because he is an egomaniac who (laughs) assumes that, well obviously she's you know people will want to read this um, <laughs> he's uh, he's up for it he is he also gives us one of his amazing gangster lines oh it's Jared. so good I
6: absolutely love it um, so Bruce Patman spun his racket he shook his head back and forth struggling with the decision finally he spoke alright I'll take her but I want my picture in see a big one <laughs> and tell her I whipped that guy at Palisades <laughs>
14: right oh god <laughs> oh, I, mean, I presume he's holding a tommy gun I don't even know I, I <laughs> presume so too <laughs> look at me bye. oh god oh that's yeah. so good I love it oh he's man. so awful but god I love he's... the tommy gun <laughs> <laughs> me too he's so entertainingly ter- well it, sometimes oh, he's just awful in this well, but that is a great moment but that is so good there's a moment which is one of my all time favourite Sweet Valley moments because it's so insane. She's gazing at Bruce. And now you could make an argument for uh, the depiction of Bruce as very much being the female gaze. That's true. Because yeah. it's always, she's always going about how beautiful he yeah. is and his lean limb, so body. handsome. And in this case, she says, I've got to go. I'll talk to you later. She tossed distractedly back at Kara, her out of here, eyes Cara. riveted on the glorious spectacle of Bruce climbing the stairs with the loose lived grace of a young lion it's it's amazing like a that lion. is that is some solid gold sweet valley nonsense that is a classic that is actually the one classic moment in this book it's so good is the, is the young lion thing but also now that i'm reading it it's like is he getting up the stairs on all fours? Oh, yeah. Is he, is he actually crawling <laughs> Panda <up> On the <laughs> runway sort type of... Galloping? Oh, my God. Oh, wow. that's even better. <laughs> oh. It just keeps uh, on going. It really, really does. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, she, she, she always has time to, uh, you know, uh, check out Bruce even mm. while she's concocting schemes. And actually, the scheme is sort of... The purpose of it is she wants to be the queen, mm. but... Part of the reason she wants to be the Queen is that she's sure Bruce is going to be elected king. He's and a shoe in th- for fall king. <laughs> king. Fall also, monarch. Also, that's a thing, that's- I guess.
0: <laughs> Mother Folklore raced out of the gates in August and quickly became one of HPN's most popular podcasts. Host Dar Cochet's book, also called Mother Folklore, has been a great success, even winning an award at the Irish Book Awards. This is a podcast for everyone, not just Irish language enthusiasts. Here's Eimear Duffy talking about how satire can ruin your marriage and Garadine McAvoy talking about her dyslexia.
2: One of the other grounds for divorce was that you could divorce a partner if they composed a satire about you.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
8: it was well believed in you know, the seventh to ninth century that um, you know, a satire had sort of a physical implication as well. Um obviously this was a society that was very much intrinsically based on your social standing, um, you know, where you were in society. So um a satire that was performed against you could bring down your face value, your your worth in society. So obviously no one wanted a satire against them and nobody especially wanted a just satire to be performed against them. That's um, the worst. Exactly. Now you can, you know, if you do the reading, you see lots of things like, you know, someone performs a satire in someone else and that the person that the satire was performed upon suddenly has some sort of a physical blemish or there's a scar or there's a deformity to it. So it's like, it's a very wide topic and it encompasses an awful lot. But yeah, it, it does have its influence on divorce law as well. And as it turns out, my understanding
12: of my relationship with Irish actually correlates a lot to the science of it because it's something that's called orthographic depth. And that sounds a really fancy term for something that's quite simple. But essentially, some languages are really transparent and some languages are really opaque. And what that means is, say, for example, English, when you look at a word in English, there's no way of telling exactly how that's pronounced unless you know how to pronounce it. So, Like
2: island or salmon.
12: Exactly right. Or uh, one of the ones that um, I find that's really indicative of it are two words, hood and moon. So the double O in those words is pronounced completely different, despite the fact that they both begin with consonants and end in consonants, they're short words, and yet they're pronounced completely different. And there's no rhyme or reason why in English.
2: This is like George Bernard Shaw's famous example of spelling fish with G-H-O-T-I, because you take the G-H from
0: tough, the
2: O from women and the
0: T-I from election.
12: Right, exactly. It's there's just no logic. In like, no logic, there is no
0: with relish, HPN's Excellent Food Podcast has had a delicious year with visits to farms, breweries, and even Bray. Their brilliant live show in the Fumbly as part of Dublin Podcast Festival was a resounding success. So here, listen to them chatting to Joe Mackin about his first restaurant and about improving coffee with science.
9: So what were the most difficult things in establishing your brand over the first few years? You've spoken a bit about the Twitter thing. Like did it just kind of take off for you, or were there lots the of challenges of and
2: questions about them? Just took off yeah. for us. But anything to do with money, spreadsheets, finance, anything like that to me is Dutch. Uh, so I have a business partner who looked after all that for me. Uh, and that is, you know, that's the hard part. And I still find that it's hard. You can't go into the kitchen and create menus and run that part of the business and I have to look after all the challenges that are coming with it. And like, it's simple things like HACCP, standards, chefing, rostering. That's basically, and then you have to look after the margins how much money you're making off the food, how much money you're spending on staff. Then you've got how the restaurant operates, how the drinks operate, and then to go and look at the books it's like it's such a breadth of stuff Cute. and that is the biggest challenge it's, it's, it's so multifunctional mm-hmm.
8: and did you think at the start that you could manage all that yourself and try to do it oh yeah of course I, did.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean everyone does so, I'd you know, yeah. Yeah. Like do, opened everyone another can think, hit yeah. restaurant yeah. We'd open, like, and I don't, don't want you to hit a restaurant but we'd opened another restaurant that's doing really really well yeah. I, geez, I thought it was invincible yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and you know the part of like when you've got a restaurant that's boom and everyone's coming in the door you're at partying every night of the yeah, week yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're sort of like you know you're living on a high do you know Monday morning Monday morning the, and the accountants come knocking yeah. that's the yeah. oh, yeah. Jesus but you know it is a challenge but it is actually nearly the most important business especially in a casual business that is the key
9: what is it that drew you to coffee like I know that you've got a science background so yes. there's obviously like a very kind of like smart brain you know at work here what uh, was I it that drew you know. into this world <laughs> though you know what
7: I
13: mean Um like so from,
7: I, was it were you a physics teacher or chemistry I, teacher yeah I, I
13: went really really briefly teaching uh, mm-hmm. and I taught the sciences yeah okay I, didn't get on so well with that. I think I lasted less than a year before I decided that that just wasn't for me. Um, but I did check my bank balance at the end of the year and I realized that I had spent about five grand on coffee that year. Uh, so I said, mm, that's nah. this, this is this is definitely something that uh, something that interests into, me. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of pestered a couple of people for jobs and then got a job in a shop in town called Coffee Angel oh, yeah. that now has three or four shops around mm-hmm. town. And it was kind of from there that I realized, okay, there's a real you know, there's a real niche for applying science to coffee okay. and trying to get that, you know, trying to stand out by half a percent. Because at the end of the day, like, that, that half a percent does make a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Um, you know, people might not know what it is, but, you know, they come in and they go, that, you know, people aren't going to come in and go, that coffee's half a percent lovelier than yeah, yeah, anywhere yeah, yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're kind of going, there's something a little bit more special, special about yeah. that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it doesn't cost us a whole lot more money to do and, you know, Cost us a little bit of extra time to do, but it's just worth doing yeah. when, when you're as nerdy, when you get shouted at by yeah. train spotters about being yeah. a loser. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> that's your market.
0: Fair Game, the women's sports podcast, joined HPN after their first ever live show at Dublin Podcast Festival, and we're absolutely delighted to have them. Every episode is well researched, brilliantly executed, and a pleasure to listen to. Elaine and Emily are at the top of their games. Here they are talking to Noelle Healy about the emotion of winning a final after losing loads of finals and then Kelly Harrington about the difficulties of making weight in boxing.
14: So, it's safe to say that the 2017 season has been one to remember
6: for Noelle Healy. Noelle, you're very welcome to our Game. Thanks very much. Noelle, we're going to go straight back to Sunday 24th September around the 5.30pm mark. So the final whistle has just gone in Croke Park celebrations are erupting all over the pitch, but you are whisked away stage left for your Player of the Match interview and presentation. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but like on the big screen for people in Croke Park and for people watching at home, I think we saw every possible human emotion (laughs) cross your face (laughs) in that moment um, as Gráinne McElwain asked you your first question. Can you take us back to that moment?
14: Yeah, I think I was just trying so hard not to cry. I'd say every emotion probably did go across my face um, it was the first time I kind of spotted a few people that I knew in the crowd as well um, and they were kind of probably feeling the same as well there was definitely a few tears with them like it's it's just so hard t- to imagine I think even when the, when the whistle went you kind of feel that you're going to be just having this massive moment of elation and it's actually just such a wave of relief that c- comes through you you don't know whether to scream, to cry, to laugh my one memory was I remember I was, I was by myself. I kind of, I think I collapsed down onto the pitch and all of a sudden about five of the girls came and jumped on me and for like five seconds I was like, this is so nice. And then I was like, I can't actually breathe. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> Thankfully I was missed away at that stage. But um, yeah, it was just so surreal. Even just to do one of those interviews where you're heard throughout the stadium was um, a bit bizarre. But um, no, yeah, it was lovely. It was really nice.
15: One really, really hard part of making weight is that uh, when when we have a period, like it's that's the hardest part, like, and a lot of people hate talking about, it, but I I don't really care. I've, I'm totally open anyway. So, uh, uh, that's the hard part for me is uh, when when I when I get my period is making weight 'cause because yeah, all of I want to do I is eat chocolate, and then well. you put water weight on, and you know that's that's the nightmare. And then as well as that, it's performance when you have them as well, like because everything goes out the window, doesn't it? Like uh, yeah, your mental state, everything, like you know. So <laughs> that's the that's the hard part and. Yeah, uh, luckily enough now, um, all the coaches understand that. Like, and they're not like they're all male coaches, and none of them are afraid to talk about it, which is great, you know. So, if I'm like, they, you kind of take a day or two off when when you when you get your period, they tell you, you know, and I I would totally use that as a, a full advantage to take them two days off.
6: And it's odd that you that it's just not talked about very often. Like I remember reading a, a piece last year with the um about the English women's hockey team who won gold at the Rio Olympics, right? And basically the first thing that their new coaching regime did when they came in was get the details of everyone's cycles. Yeah. And they train in groups accord like they do their strength and conditioning at one a group who, who do it at a certain time of the month. Others oh are doing God, more sprint They've actually built their training programme around it wow. and they won gold medals. So, that's brilliant. You know, there has to be a link in, yeah. in, in using, in kind of using sports science that way yeah. and being open about it.
0: Juvenalia is the oldest regular podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network and it continues to deliver. Their live show in Dublin Podcast Festival with Maria Doyle Kennedy was a great success and they've been in many of the podcasts you need to listen to lists. Here they are with Dave Rudden talking about Terry Pratchett and with Maria Doyle Kennedy about how she wants to be a mermaid. But he says Moist von Lipwig, this
3: con man, because like, I think you're a man with talents. and I think you could revitalise the Postal Service. It's a book about this con man revitalising the Postal Service and it sounds like it shouldn't work. But what it basically, what he talks about constantly with Moist von Lipwig is when you trick the world, there's a moment when when the mark is like, you know, looking at the fake gold ring or when you're like, you're pretending to be a bishop and trying to sell someone something or whatever. There's a moment where you can spin the whole world on your fingers. There's a moment where sometimes everything that glitters is gold. And like, when I read that, I was like, that's like, that's he's just weaponized imposter syndrome. Like he just like, that whole like, um, feeling like the fraud police are going to kick your door down. Oh
14: yeah, with a clipboard.
3: Yeah, you could look at it as, oh God, I'm a fake and nobody knows. Or you could look at it as, I'm a fake, and nobody knows. They're letting
14: me away <laughs> Give with me all this, your money.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he. And then he immediately addresses that by, um, so he tries to escape, and he gets pulled back, and it, this golem pulls him back. Um, and the golem is like, and he's like, "Oh, I've never, I'm not a criminal. I never killed anybody." It's like you've killed eight point four people by the this bank that you, you you took off this thing you did. I've calculated that you have killed eight point four people, and like the idea that like again, it's the Boise Philip realizes I have this gift. I know the rules, therefore I should use it for good.
1: If you met Daria on the road, what would
3: you be looking for?
7: If I was to join her yeah. on what would my, what would be my quest? Mm. <gasps> well, I didn't even write
1: that one down. Just that's me. so good. Yeah. <laughs>
7: <laughs> I personally am actually obsessed with mermaids. <laughs> It's true, it's totally true. I I, I think that I would be going looking for a tale. Tale. Or, yeah. I read that story when I was really young Mm. and I just thought it was, as I thought most fairy tales were, actually always seemed to have this terribly brutal outcome. The mermaid one seemed to be the cruelest of all. She fell in love with the prince, right? So then she saves him and then he comes to and she can't tell him it was her because she can't speak. And then other little princessy rocks up and goes, oh, wow. I know I, I did it all. I saved you. I and so then, and then every step is like, a yeah. And every step is like a thousand knives. It was just like the most deeply unfair thing I've ever <laughs> read in my life. And so I, I've been completely obsessed with mermaids ever since. I think they're real. I obviously have some sort of complex where I want to go back and sort that shit out (laughs) (laughs) for her, but also I do think I will meet one someday. I don't think they're going to look like you know Ariel or anything. Yeah, Yeah. maybe. I I think there's, I think it's possible.
8: Do you believe in ghosts? Not
7: really. Oh.
8: (laughs) I was just excited, but it's okay.
0: Dublin joined up with HPN during the year after availing of our podcast studio for a few months. And it's a very happy little marriage. Suzanne and PJ have been rocking it, adding more and more listeners all the time, and their live show in the Sugar Club at Dublin Podcast Festival was electric. Here's PJ talking about when his dad tried to give him away when he was younger.
16: I remember when I was, like, eight, and my father tried to give me away to the travellers. You know that, like, and by the way, like, I was eight... And I was adopted So I'd been through this before I thought that this, was again. A, this was the second time This was like The first time was fucking bad enough And now It's like I'm being sold On the black market Right So th- i am tell you right Your mum and dad are
14: trying to get Their money back
16: I'm not even fucking joking I was playing the pass them out game With my dad right What? That, you know the pass a out game
14: no it's probably a north side thing
16: right well you're in the car right you're in the back and your dad's driving and every time another car is in front of him you go pass a out pass him out pass him out pass him out pass him out until your dad goes fucking mental right, right. you drive your dad insane so he's like I'm warning you I'm warning you alright and there was pass a out pass a out pass a out right and then eventually he turned around and he said something that was very out of character for him right he looked at me and goes if you don't shut your fucking mouth there's got to be consequences, right? <laughs> consequences. So I was like, yeah, right. Like, what consequences? It's me and me dad in the car. So I was, pass him out, pass him out! And we are coming down the Malahide Road, right? This is about 1983 or four, right? right? So I'm young, right? Yeah. And he pulls into the halting site where all the travellers are. And he goes to one of the travellers. He goes, excuse me, come here. Do you want a young fella? Because I'm sick to me shite of this fella. Do you want him? Because I don't want him anymore right
14: and you back... could sue your parents for traumatic stress
16: oh yeah well see this is the thing at the time this was just a funny fucking story so, <laughs>
8: so the Traveller... now you'd be on the front of the heralds
16: yeah yeah now you'd be ah. Oh. now he'd be done like he'd, be,
8: he'd... he'd be viral Go on. oh
16: yeah he would yeah. he'd be He's fucking the the all zoo. these child protective services and all rather than what that actually is which is just a fucking funny story of something that my dad did and he was fucking right and then the Traveller looks in the car at me and he goes no shit because he was happy to play along because racism against Traveller in the 80s was fucking hilarious, right? So he looks at me and he goes, What would I do with him? I mean, look at him now. Is he strong? Is he strong? That's what he said. And me over the goes, him, he's not strong. He couldn't lift a blade and tic tack that young lad. Or something to these effects. And then he starts going on about uh, he does nothing his mother tells him either. Never does that as Ma tells him. And then the traveller <laughs> going Jesus, I wouldn't want a board by now. I have no room for a board by I've, right? He goes, I've eight children in my own and I have a five year old in here can change the engine out of a van. Right, and I'm like on. No, no! Fucking please, Dad! Fucking please, please. Side of the fucking road, please. Like those fucking dogs running around and those fucking <laughs> car parts all over the fucking place. I was shitting myself, and then my dad goes, oh, I'll give him another chance, right? Oh, I'll give him another chance. And the Traveller's there go, No problem, but I'll tell you something bring him back to me now if he's still bored. I'll find a place for him, no problem. I'll find good work for him. I said, No. Fucking <laughs> No And then Did I ever play Passamilt again Never played Passamilt again No I fucking Any did Anytime
8: we drove up Near the Halton site You're like No dad
16: Yeah yeah No Yeah, no! uh, But fuck me you, and Now you have this Sue in the football club Because they were dropped Would you fuck off It was always funny though I don't know why And it is a thing Like when we were growing up When your dad lost his fucking mind mm. It was hilarious
14: because the dads didn't, your mom, when your, your mom, mom yeah. went bananas. At you. Like your mum would shout at you and give out yards to you, like, and you just kind of be like. And as you got older, yeah. you have that attitude. You'd be and like, the, relax.
16: And just but your if you're mother, a dad. I was the other way. If me dad lost his mind, it was hilarious. But no, if my mother lost her mind, it was fucking.
14: Oh really?
0: Yeah. Dil Vikramasinghe joined HBN and started her podcast, Sparking Change with Dil, after she was unceremoniously ousted from News Sparking change has gotten off to a great start and Dill is enjoying her newfound freedom. Here she is talking to Glenn Hansard about caring for homeless people and then to Ibrahim Halawa about his innocence.
10: It was, it was so beautiful. I mean, in, in, in Apollo House, we had one woman arrive uh, the second day we were in the building. She was 83 years old. She came to the gates. She wasn't allowed in. We would, I wanted to bring her in for a cup of tea. We couldn't because the residents needed their privacy. I wanted to bring this woman in. She showed up with a blanket. She was 83 years old. She'd gotten a train from Galway lived in the countryside, got a train from Galway City, handed us one blanket and went back down to Houston and got back on a train and went back to Galway. And that to me is, that's the Ireland. You know, when we talk about the Joe Duffy Ireland and the people who are coming together, that's the Ireland I believe in. That's the Ireland I still live in, you know. And I also live in an Ireland that's very cynical and and who will view all of this as just complete egomania. And our egos, let's face it, our egos are the most... It's the most difficult thing we have to deal with in our lives. So as soon as we can kind of get some kind of handle on that and laugh about it and do it anyway. That's that's what I would advise anybody. You know, see yourself as a hero. Yeah, see yourself as Mother Teresa, but do it anyway, you know.
0: I'm happy to be back, you know, but of course, uh, it's still it's still pretty hard for me. Of course, getting used to freedom isn't as easy as people think it is, of course, but. You know, I'm making it day by day, and just trying to cherish every moment that that's to come. So, you know, that's I still have we still have a fight of my mom to you know to fight with her. So for me, that's that's a bit tough as well. But I have to I have to I have to live that I'm free now and just put everything behind. In the shower with Taz and Marcus has been killing it for 20 episodes now. Informative, fun, and just about the right amount of filth. Taz and Marcus are the dynamic duo with bubbly chemistry and all the facts. Here they are talking about why we yawn.
5: Most people think that when we kind of open our mouths wide and we suck in oxygen-rich air, the oxygen kind of enters our bloodstream and helps us wake up when we're falling asleep on our desks. It sounds pretty believable, but it's actually wrong. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. But like, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? it does and it it seems like a logical a logical explanation but this is kind of the disappointing truth although it's been heavily researched there is to date actually no scientific explanation that thoroughly explains why why we yawn but the answer may lie in our brains
2: really so you're saying that um yawning doesn't shoot oxygen into your brain
5: nope it does not so yawning which is you know i suppose a definition of yawning is a stretching of the jaw and kind of gaping of the mouth for like a long therapeutic inhalation followed by a, sh- a kind of a shallow exhalation yes as Marx is demonstrating but this yawning may serve as a thermoregulatory mechanism for your brain
2: that's a big word that's a ther- that's... thermoregulatory mechanism yeah so yawning serves to cool down your brain is that yeah. right
5: yeah yeah so so like to break up that word you know thermoregulatory it's like regulating your thermals in your brain. So, like, when you think about it, how much does your temperature affect how sleepy you are? Like, just on, like, a, a day-to-day basis.
2: Oh, like, I'm uh, I'm actually, like, really... I, I'm a victim to this. Yeah. That, like, yeah, if it's warm, I sleep. Like, I if I'm in a warm country, I need a siesta. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like, I've had my warm morning and I need a nap.
5: That's exactly it. And, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. If like, I'm wrapped up cosy, yeah, you're, you're, like, you're sleeping. Like-
0: We have other great podcasts on the network, which we didn't manage to showcase here, but are every bit as good and worth checking out. Look out for Potterlooney, The Sus, Worst To That Effect, and Bookish. And if you're still in that Christmassy vibe, check out Rose Chestnuts. So if you're listening to these and think you could do better yourself, why not give it a go? Our podcast studio is available to rent from just 30 euro an hour. It's comfortable and in a handy Dublin city centre location. Check out headstuff.org for SAS Studio for more info and to book. So there you are. Subscribe to all those podcasts. Thanks and see you all in 2018.